Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. This past Sunday, we had the privilege of taking communion together at Bethesda Church. Today, you will hear Pastor Roy's communion message entitled, Clean Through Christ. Pastor Roy will share about how we become clean in Christ when we surrender our lives to Him. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along with Pastor Roy. I just want to put a plug in, too, briefly before I begin the message about the Prayer Summit. Um, October 29th and 30th, I hope you are marking on your calendar or put it in your phone or your tablet or wherever you keep your schedule uh, because those are going to be important days for Bethesda Church as we have Daniel Henderson coming uh, to share with us and challenge us in the area of prayer. We're still finalizing the details uh, for those days, but uh, what we're trying to work out is that Saturday will probably be like a 9 to 3 type of day. Uh, we'll have a, a lunch uh, in the middle, and then uh, Sunday morning, uh, we're actually thinking about starting a service a little bit earlier, uh, but we'll give you more details on that. Um, and then Sunday morning after the morning service, uh, we're going to go out into our property that we purchased a couple of years ago that we have not dedicated, and we want to have a prayer of dedication of that property uh, to the Lord. And then we will go into our new gymnasium. If you haven't seen our gymnasium, it, it, you won't recognize it. The kids came in the first night of Awana, and they were like, they couldn't believe it. It was just uh, amazing. And you can actually hear when you talk in there now. That's just another amazing thing. So uh, we will have that. And, and those who are here on Saturday will have our, our meal down there on Saturday as well. And then after that meal on Sunday, we'll come back in here uh, for another session with Daniel Henderson. And we'll be done then in the afternoon. Uh, so when those who live out uh, make it to town, you can just stay here and be a part of that. So keep that uh, in prayer uh, as we move toward that. That would be great. And trust you will make a commitment to be here as well. Well, today I've entitled the message, Clean Through Christ. And really there is no other way for you and I to be clean other than through Christ. Uh, we can't be good enough people to become clean. I can't make myself clean. You can't make yourself clean. If we could, Jesus didn't need to come and die on the cross. If I could keep the law perfectly, and you could keep the law perfectly, Jesus didn't need to die on a cross. If I could just come to church and I could have the right kind of language and, and the right kind of attitude and the right kind of behavior that would gain me access into heaven, Jesus wasted his effort dying on the cross. Uh, the truth is, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. And I want to read a passage of scripture we're going to focus on today in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 to 15, uh, if you would like to follow along. One of the things that Paul emphasizes, not only in this letter, but you also see it a lot in uh, the book of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians, is he talks about being in Christ, or with Christ, or with Him, in Him, with Him, in Christ, 
uh, is a frequent phrase that Paul uses because he keeps coming back to the idea if it's our relationship with Christ is that what makes the difference. And he starts off in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11. In him, in Christ, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He starts off talking about circumcision. Circumcision goes way back into Genesis chapter 15 when God instituted his covenant with Abraham. And in chapter 17 of Genesis, he talks about the whole fact of that uh, God's people were to be circumcised. Every male child was to be circumcised. That was the sign of the covenant that God made with man. That to be God's people, the male children were circumcised. However, when we come to the New Testament and he talks about circumcision, he is not talking about circumcision of the male child anymore. He's talking about the circumcision of the heart. That God takes out the old stony heart, the heart of sin, the heart of flesh, and he gives us a heart that is after God. He cleanses us. He makes us clean uh, through Christ it's a sign of being God's people in the New Testament. If you want to jot down, if you want to take a note and jot down um, Acts chapter 15, when we get into the New Testament and the church is established, what we see in Acts chapter 15 is a historic moment in the life of the early church because in the early church, they had a discussion among the church leaders. And here's what they were discussing. Is circumcision important to be one of God's children? That's what they were discussing. According to Mosaic law, they had to be circumcised. Is that still holding true for people who are coming into the church? And so let me just take a moment and read for you, and you can flip there if you want. But it says, they were saying in Acts 15, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. That's the issue that they were discussing in Acts. And they brought these people together, and it says in, in verse 3, the church sent them on their way as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria and told them how the Gentiles had been converted. And this news made all the brothers very glad. And then it says down in verse 5, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised. They wanted them to follow the Jewish law and said they must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses just like any other Jew. That's what they were saying. That's what they were imposing on the Gentiles. The apostles and elders, it says, met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them, Brothers, 
You know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God who knows the heart shows that he accepted them, listen, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, not through circumcision. God gave them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. That is the difference. It is our faith. It is not our work, what we can do, what we can accomplish. And when we look in Romans, it says, was Abraham justified after he was circumcised or before he was circumcised? And it says he was actually justified before he was circumcised. And he was justified by faith. He believed God, the Bible says, and his belief in God was credited to him as righteousness. And so we are clean through Christ. It isn't circumcision. It isn't an act of the flesh. It is not a work, a human work that we can do. He goes on to say in uh, Acts 15, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke? Meaning this whole idea of obeying the law of Moses and being circumcised. A yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear. They were not able to obey it completely. He says, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. By faith, through grace, we are saved. And incidentally, this October marks 499 years since the Protestant Reformation. Next year will be the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation where Luther went to Wittenberg, Germany, and he nailed 95 theses on the church door in Wittenberg. And in essence, saying that we are saved by grace through faith and there was nothing else we can do to earn God's favor, that we are clean through Christ. And that's what he's saying here. The circumcision is the circumcision of the heart. This idea is we are transformed from spiritual death to spiritual life. God has given us spiritual life. In Ephesians 2, he says, you were dead in trespasses and sins, but God made us alive. It says later in Ephesians chapter 2, he made us alive through Christ. I cannot get spiritual life myself. You can't get it yourself. It is only through the death of Jesus on the cross that gives us spiritual life by me putting my faith and trust in Jesus. And that's what he's saying. That's the circumcision of the heart. He's saying when we were dead in trespasses and sins, we followed the ways of the world. We were under the domination and control of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's why we see mall shootings today. That's why we see the killings and the hatred and the jealousy and the revenge that is out in our world because people are dead in trespasses and sins. And because of that, they're under the curse of sin. And the only thing that will set them free and give them a clean heart is the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. That's why we celebrate the table of the Lord and remember the table of the Lord. They gratified the cravings, the Bible says, of their sinful nature. They followed the desires and thoughts of the sinful nature. When does that start? At birth. Listen to this verse in Psalm 58.3. Even from birth, the wicked go astray. From the womb, they are wayward and speak lies. 
From birth, we are separated from God because we are dead in trespasses and sins. And that's why God sent Jesus to the cross that we could be broken. The power of sin could be broken in our lives and we could be clean through Christ. In Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, it says later, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Notice, when we were dead in transgressions, God came to our aid. We didn't come to him. He came to us in the person of Christ that we could receive him and learn about him. And it's interesting because in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, it says it talks about the hidden wisdom of God was hidden from natural man. And because the wisdom of God was hidden from natural man, natural man crucified Christ. And it said, had they known the hidden wisdom of God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They did it in ignorance because they did not know the wisdom of God. We are a new creature in Christ. We have been given a new heart, a new mind, a new motivation because of the Holy Spirit that resides within us. Notice he goes on to say, back in our passage in Colossians, in him you were also circumcised, the spiritual circumcision of the heart, in the putting off of the sinful nature not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ. He is the one who circumcises our hearts and gives us new hearts. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Notice he says, buried with him in baptism. Whenever we baptize somebody in the baptistry or at a lake, we're in water. Water represents the grave. Because what happens when a person gets immersed in water is they go down. It's like they're going down into the grave because they're dead. Why are they dead? Because we've died to sin. We've said, I am dead to sin. I'm giving my life to Christ. And the representation of that, the symbolic representation, is in baptism. The water is a grave. I go down under that water. I'm buried in the grave, the watery grave, as it were. And then when I come up out of the water, what does it signify? The resurrection. These are two essential aspects of the gospel. Death, burial, and resurrection. Death and burial and resurrection are two important aspects. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, I shared the gospel with you that Christ, what, died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and on the third day he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. And that's what happens in baptism. We go down in that grave, that watery grave, we're dead We've been dead to sin and we've been brought to life through Jesus Christ as we're raised in newness of life. Now there's no magic in the water. It's an identification. It's an outward manifestation of an inward reality that I've accepted Christ as my personal Savior. And he says in Ephesians 2.6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Death is proved by burial. You don't bury a person that's alive. 
you bury a dead person. So death is proved by burial, and resurrection is proved by those who see you living. Those who see us living in Christ, identifying with Christ, that's proof that we've been raised with Christ, that we have a different life. And then he goes on to say, we are raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Then look at verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. There was nothing we could do but throw ourselves at the mercy of God and his grace and forgiveness. And then notice what it says. He forgave us all our sins. That's the pardon that comes through the death of Jesus. And then notice what it says. Having canceled the written code that was against us and that stood opposed to us. Now there was a written code called God's law that stood opposed to us. But there's also something when we broke the law and we committed a crime against God's law, that was written against us too. So commentators kind of disagree. Is he talking about God's law or is he talking about our sin against the law? Well, it could be a combination, but I, I certainly think that our sin against the law. And then whenever a prisoner was executed by crucifixion, they would hang a sign on the cross saying, here's his crimes. He's paid his debt to society. He's now okay. Well, guess what? Our sins, the certificate of our indebtedness, was nailed to the cross in the person of Christ. He became the certificate of our indebtedness. He paid for our crime that we could be free. And the cancellation means that the slate has been wiped clean. <laughs> it's been totally wiped clean. That we are guilty no more. That there's no more condemnation to those of us who are in Christ. It has been wiped clean. That's what it means when he says he canceled the written code. We were guilty. We deserved to be judged and condemned. And the certificate was a visible reminder of the crimes we committed against God. And it's interesting because this whole idea of code is where we get the idea of the word dogma, which means beliefs or regulations. The regulations that stood against us has been wiped out has been made clean through the blood of Christ. I can't cleanse my own sin by becoming a good person, and you can't cleanse yours, but the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, washes us clean from all sin. We have broken God's law that was recorded by Moses, and we are guilty, and God has canceled the written code that was against us, and it's, it's, it, it means like in a handwritten note, <laughs> and it's been wiped clean. The condemnatory aspects of the law have been canceled. It was the idea of wiping, or even they used to write the Bible on papyrus sheets. And it's the idea of scraping off those papyrus sheets so they are clean to be used again. Think about that. God has scraped clean our sin so that my life can be used for Him, for His honor, and for His glory. 
He not only erased the document, he took it away. He expunged our sin. John said, behold the Lamb of God who does what? He takes away the sin of the world. He even carries the idea of blotted out in Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins, some versions will say, so your sins may be blotted out. In uh, In NIV it says, so your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Before I went into ministry, some of you know I used to work in a bakery. And when I worked in the bakery, it was interesting. I, had, I was on a cleaning crew at one point. And on that cleaning crew, I actually had to climb into one of the big ovens. Thankfully, it was turned off. It wasn't on. But I, and that oven probably went from here to the wall. I mean, it was a huge oven. And, of course, you know, dozens and dozens of loaves of bread could be baked at one time. But we had to, I climbed in there with another man, and we had to clean inside that thing. When I came out of that oven, I was darker than this suit. <laughs> I mean, I had soot. I was absolutely covered in soot. And I went and scrubbed up, and that night I went to bed and after a shower. And, you know, the next morning, I got up. My sheets were gray. And I realized what happened was that soot went down into the pores of my skin, and I couldn't keep, get myself clean. And I thought, isn't that true with us? We think we can wash ourselves clean. We can't. Sin seeps into the pores. And only the blood of Christ can cleanse us from our sin. He expunges our sins. And notice it says, nailing it to his cross. The indictment that was ours was hung over the head of Christ. And he paid the price for us that we could be forgiven. Our debt was canceled by his crucifixion. And then it goes on to say in verse 15, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. When it says that he disarmed the powers, it means that he stripped them of their power and rendered them powerless. And I think that's an interesting word to use because of stripping. Jesus was stripped to go on the cross, and it looked like they stripped him of his power by putting him on the cross, but he turned around and stripped them of their power by dying on the cross. It is, it is a reversal of what they thought was going to happen because they thought when Jesus died on the cross, they defeated Christ, and it was the opposite. Christ was not defeated. He defeated them. It was the exact opposite. It was an absolute reversal of what they thought was going to happen by Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus won a decisive victory on the cross for us. He stripped them of their power. And that's why it says far above all rule and authority, power and dominion is Christ. He defeated all the powers of hell. He defeated all the powers of evil that you and I could stand victorious in him. And that's why it says when we read about the spiritual armor of God, that these rulers and authorities are against us, but we are strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He is the one who gives us the victory because of the cross. 
He has expunged our sin. The slate is clean because of what Jesus did for us. And that's what we're going to remember this morning as we partake of the Lord's table. And the last thing he says is he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You remember several months ago, I did a message in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 about triumph and how Roman armies would bring their prisoners of war behind them in chains and make a public display of them to disgrace them and shame them. In essence, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He brought all the powers of evil, all the wicked authorities and rulers and dominions, and he had them in chains, as it were, behind him, dragging them, exposing them to public shame. Now think about that. That's what they were trying to do to him. He did it to them through his death on the cross. I'm going to ask our... We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.